At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Did you know the best seeds for your garden don't come from the nursery? In fact, the seeds that will create the most robust and delicious fruits and vegetables come directly from your garden. This is because they are uniquely adapted to your growing conditions, better than anything you can buy from a fancy catalog or website. Through the magic of seed saving, it is quite possible to have the garden of your dreams. The best part is, saving your own seeds is surprisingly easy and fun. With a bit of instruction, anyone can become a seed-saving superstar. Let us teach you how in our free seed-saving webinar. Just text SEEDS to 33444 to sign up or visit SeedSavingHacked.org for more information. That's SEEDS to 33444 or visit SeedSavingHacked.org. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Kay Cottrell to talk about her experience with urban gardening and how it's changed her life. In the fall of 2011, Kay converted the front yard and parkway of her home in Pacific Palisades, California into an edible garden. She removed all non-edible grass, small trees, and bushes that occupied the approximately 300 square feet of valuable sunny area and planted citrus trees and herbs. In April 2012, Kay began her urban garden blog, late bloomer show, sharing her results with the other gardeners, food bloggers, and family farmers. With her photography skills and on-camera likability from 30 years of working as an actor in New York and Hollywood, Kay created a web show also entitled Late Bloomer, chronicling her discovering of how to grow food. A year later, her summer garden produced over 150 pounds of produce about 40% of which was given away. She also wrote her first ebook, 10 Steps to a Great First Garden, which by the way, she has free on her website. And in 2015, Kay created her DVD, Growing Heirloom Tomatoes, a compilation of her five-part series on YouTube. Late Bloomer now has 96 episodes on YouTube and in 2015 won Best Edutainment Series at the Miami Web Fest 2015. 
In 2016, Kay added a vlog onto the channel, which included 50 videos and offers Kay an opportunity to visit and share other gardens and urban farms with her audience. Kay's goal is to inspire anyone to grow their own food and take charge of their own food security. Welcome to the show today, Kay. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Well, it was interesting. I had an epiphany in 2012. I think it was about February after I had been digging in my parkway, which is the area between the street and the sidewalk in Los Angeles. Uh And I thought I want to use all of my talents to to inspire other people to grow their own food. And I had just gotten started myself. I had a an encounter with a biodynamic farmer and he put the spell on me. He said, from now on, you're only growing edibles. And oh, I, nice. I totally took that to heart. And we had had a tree in the parkway, a city tree that had died. And when that came out, I took out all the ground cover and and once I met him, he said, take out your bushes and your grass and plant a food garden, and I did. It took a little time because I had to learn how to garden. I wasn't a gardener. I had never grown anything, mm-hmm. not even house plants. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, I had to look up the difference between annual and perennial <laughs> on the internet, just so I would know what nice. does that really mean. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's how green I was. So I would be out digging in my hard clay soil, if you can call it that. It's like more like brick. And I would be on my knees and people would pass by and say, what are you doing? And I said, I'm a late bloomer. And I just said that a few times and then it really hit me that mm. that's going to be the name of my show and I'm going to have a show and I'm going to try to inspire as many people as I can to grow their own food. Nice. And it says here, a year later, your summer garden produced over 150 pounds of produce. Right. right. Wow. I think, I think I hit 300 pounds by 2014. I had a, a banner year <laughs> in tomatoes. It was incredible. Wow. How I cool. think I had 17 plants, and it was just hundreds of pounds of tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Tomatoes are absolutely amazing when they start producing. I know, I know. But we have such a problem here with powdery mildew that Mm. uh, you never know what you're going to get. You know, I got lucky that year. Yeah. So, and and well, it's while we're on tomatoes, your Mm -hmm. first DVD, Growing Heirloom Tomatoes. Tell, Tell us about that. Well, I decided to create a marketing tool for my show and I... I had such a positive response to those that five-part series that I did on YouTube, I decided to just put the episodes together in an easy format for, for a DVD. So if people wanted to get the DVD for you know, watching on their TV or mm-hmm. give, it a, give it as a gift, there are a lot of people who aren't on the Internet. A lot of older folks are not on the Internet, right. and, but they do watch DVDs, so that's why I created it. Yeah. Fantastic. So you mentioned your show. This is the Late Bloomer Show. Tell us about it. Well, Late Bloomer follows my development as a food grower. And along the way, I have occasionally interviewed other people. And I focus on bugs and insects and pests and because I have a fascination for (laughs) all that stuff. And, And I'm also a photographer. So 
when I started, I thought, well, let me get close, up close and personal to bugs and pests mm. and really put those, those big images on my show. And I just, I just started and I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't have a five-year plan. I just thought, I'm going to do this and next year I'll be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, in 2012, there were hardly any web series on the web. I had right. I had to look at a completely non-gardening kind of show just to get the format, the titles, the opening, closing, the length, you know, all those just basic uh, characteristics of a web show. Yeah. And so it just kind of people said, "Well, if you have if you have a web show, you've got to have a blog." I'm going, "Oh, good grief." <laughs> <laughs> a blog? Nobody is going to want to know what I have to say. Yeah. But but you know, you know how it is with a with a website. You cross you cross pollinate your oh big time your information from video to to printed word yeah to the printed word, and uh, you got to you got to do all of that. That's what I found. You have to do it all. Yeah, yeah. When uh, here in your bio it says ninety six episodes. You have more than that now. No. <laughs> no. Well, that's what that's. It's I'll the, tell you what. Ninety six is epic. Right. Yeah, I feel like it is. I mean, there are a lot of people. When I started, there were no web festivals, like film festivals, but right. for the web, there yeah. were were none in 2012. In 2013, there were like three in the world, and now there are thousands. Every city has a web festival, and I go to web festivals, and these content creators have between three and ten episodes, and, and I am there with 96. Wow. I'm, I'm like... <laughs> It's an astounding number, yeah. but if you look at if you look at other really popular YouTuber urban gardeners, they they have lots and lots and lots of videos, maybe a lot more than that, you know. But uh, in terms of the production quality, ninety six is is a big number for me. Yeah. But I also started my vlog in in March of this year. Uh, I started on a mobile app. I didn't think I could ever have the brain power to edit anything myself, which uh -huh. is why which is why I always uh, hired editors and uh, professional editors. But I started when I was traveling. I started working on a mobile app. I shot and edited and uploaded my vlog straight to the YouTube, and I thought this is very liberating. Now I really can do this. So I've been really seriously vlogging the whole year, trying to build more audience for my channel. Yeah, and I have yeah. 53 vlogs now. One of which is the one with Greg Peterson. With it, yeah, we did one together. <laughs> it was so much fun having you at the house, and uh, that'll be listed on the show notes page. We'll have a link to that. But what was one thing that you learned in you know hanging out in in the yard here for the afternoon? Well, it's interesting. You've got a really great thing going there because I had heard about you before I met you mm -hmm. and from the my friend Jack Davis who's a member of the Arizona Fruit Tree Growers group uh -huh. and I'd also met Jay Berenger and uh, Jake Mace and all these people are so connected in Phoenix it's mm -hmm. it's it's mind-blowing but I think I think I first heard about the uh, flood irrigation at your place. Oh yes, uh huh. Uh, which you're very fortunate to have. Everybody in Phoenix doesn't have that, right? And also, uh, well, you just you've just woven together such a complex information highway, really. Yeah. For for 
anybody interested in getting into growing their own food or growing their own fruit trees or or just getting connected you know that's the big thing is you've made such an impact on people getting connected to the soil and to taking care of the earth and you know doing for yourself and growing your own stuff you know yeah that's you know that's the biggest part and I Plus, you have a great personality, so yeah, that was well, a lot of fun. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. You know, I, I and I think the most important journey for me, and I'd say for a lot of people, is once we know it, we have to share it. And I can, I, I know, exactly. you know, I can see by what you're doing, you're sharing it. So, tell me about that. Yeah, well, the way I share is through my show. I probably am not ever going to do tours. I consider myself, like you said, you've been doing this for forty or forty-one years. And I have been gardening total for five. So I don't, I still don't consider myself any kind of an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have done some speaking at the local, you know, the Rotary Club and the oh, gar- yes. gardening clubs and things yep. like that. But I don't, I don't ever expect to be doing what you're doing uh, with that kind of outreach. But mine is on the web. I put yeah, so beautiful. much focus into making the videos, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just the tours and and all that. Plus, like I told you, I have such a small space for growing edibles, you know, and it's a lack of sun. That's my biggest problem. Yeah. So who who have been your biggest cheerleaders along the way? Oh, wow. Well, Jack Davis has to be uh, first come to mind Mm -hmm. and she's been so supportive and she's introduced me to a new a number of people in the Phoenix area, which were all enthusiastic to meet me, it seemed. And so I would say Jack Davis and, of course, the biodynamic farmer that started oh, it all. yeah, exactly. And exactly. Uh, Now, you don't live in Phoenix. You live in... I live in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I would say just people that have really influenced me is like Vandana Shiva, the Indian uh, oh, activist, yeah. echo yeah. warrior, neuro, mm-hmm. yep. uh, yeah, neuroscientist, I believe she is. I heard her speak two different times up at the uh, uh, what is it called? The heirloom, the heirloom expo up in Santa Rosa. I first oh. heard her, and then I heard her also in Los Angeles. And she is unstoppable. She yeah. fights for for seed for the future of seed and she's so inspiring when you get to to hear her speak yeah and then and then ron finley i've i've met ron finley a few oh, times he's nice. our los angeles <laughs> garden dignitary now yeah and he's all over he's traveling all over he's in documentaries and you know he's he's doing a lot of exciting things yeah so, uh, so people like that yeah what what changes have you seen in your life since you started this process I would say the biggest change is feeling the impact of inspiring people. Mm. And I think everybody sort of lives to inspire other people. I think it's a basic human kind of desire. But when you actually do it and you and you get that feedback that you actually have inspired somebody and you've reached somebody that you didn't know you reached or like recently I was contacted by some teenage boys and one is in India, southern India, one is in the UK, one is in Canada and one is in California 
and they love my show and they're the first to see my videos and comment and they all want to visit me someday and I am so excited that 14 and 15 year old boys yeah. are growing their own food and having a garden and getting excited about seed mm -hmm. that just that's so exciting to me and that's that's the biggest way that all of this has impacted my life is seeing seeing that I've I've inspired people yeah which is what I set out to do, but you, you never know if you're going to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what is the biggest challenge you've had along the way? My number one biggest challenge in my place is not enough sun. And mm. so I have to keep thinking of creative ways. Where's the sun? How am I going to get sun on this thing? People send me plants and they send me seeds. And I say, well, how much sun does it need? And they go six, eight hours. I'm going, well, that's a problem because I'm in a microclimate uh, near the ocean. Uh -huh. And so from, I would say from the middle of April till the beginning of August, we have June gloom every morning, mm. almost every morning. Mm -hmm. We have no sun. So the sun is behind my house by one, two o'clock anyway. Right. And so it's a real problem <laughs> because powder powdery mildew absolutely loves those conditions all right and so i've gotten powdery mildew on everything from calendula and california poppies to tomatoes just everything you can think of to, you know roses right so that's that's my biggest uh, problem but i would say my biggest my biggest disappointment that i can't i have no way to control or fix is this is a great climate here for olive trees and i envisioned oh, yeah. olive trees grow like crazy here and i i envisioned having you know being able to preserve my own olives and mm. the, so i planted i have about five trees uh two are in pots and three in the ground and and you know the first couple of years they don't produce that much so you don't get really an idea of if they're going to produce. But one of the trees last year was very heavy laden and every single olive had the olive fruit fly maggot in it. Aww. And so I talked to the the Department of Agriculture down at the LA County Extension mm -hmm. and he said there is nothing we can do. This is a problem. You can't tent the trees. You can't prevent it. What happens is as it develops inside the olive, it comes out of the olive and it falls on the ground and it hibernates for the winter. Mm. And then, of course, it hatches and becomes an olive fruit fly. And then you have a thousand of these right. on the ground and they just go right back up the tree and they, they lay an egg in every single olive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe we don't need to talk about that. It's kind of depressing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, you know, and this is the, these are the kinds of things that we are challenged with. Yeah. You know, as, you, as you were sharing that, I'm trying to think to myself, gosh, what could she do about that? I know. You know so a, a big piece of it is making sure that you have good, really good, healthy soil around mm -hmm. the base of the tree. You know, well, and, since, let's see, I think I got my, finally got my wood chips in uh, March or April. Good. And I had been wanting wood chips forever. And we talked about that in our video mm -hmm. that you said you didn't mind what the wood chips were. And I had been avoiding 
some of the crappier kind of landscaping trees that they have around our neighborhood or around LA. Right. And then I finally got my neighbor's, then my neighbor's elm tree was about to fall over. So they had to cut it down. Mm. And so I got this, uh, this amazing wood chips filled up my entire driveway. It was a half of a oh, truck. Nice. It was a half of a truck. Yeah. And <laughs> in fact, I've still got wood chips I haven't taken care of. So I, I have been adding that since uh, March or so. And my soil is absolutely amazing where I've had yeah. the wood chips. Yeah. So you might, you might see a difference there. There also might be, you might also check, there might be a nematode that would, you know, positively mm -hmm. impact, you know, your... Those? Yeah. They might, well, they might go after the, after the grubs and take them out for you. So you might check on that. Well, speaking of nematodes, uh, I also have a grub problem. The June, wait, it's, it's the uh, fig tree beetle. Mm -hmm. Or the fig beetle, and the big green ones with the metallic underside. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, and so I, they discovered my garden, and because of the wood chips, and they're everywhere. Hmm. I so somebody suggested I try to use nematodes for those. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So in your bio, you talk about food security, and I'd like for you to speak to that a little bit. What that means to you, and what you know. What can we do about food security? What is it and what can we do about it? Well, food security is being able to have heirloom seed whenever we want it and for the rest of our lives and be able to hand that down. And seed that's been genetically modified doesn't have another life. Mm -hmm. And and it's, it's strictly designed to make money for a corporation. So I feel like the more people that just are aware, because it's, it's an awareness, people that do not grow their own food or never thought about that, they go to the store and they see a certain item and they go, oh, this is fine to eat. But in fact, that might be a genetically modified food. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like the more that we can do to inspire and get people excited about growing their own food, the more they're going to know about heirloom seed and the future of seed and the future of food. Yeah. Because we don't know, our climate is crazy and we, we don't know what's going to happen. And the more, the more you know about growing your own food, the more secure you can feel. That's just the way I feel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So who has been the most inspirational or informative interviews that you've done in your vlog over the past year or so? Well, Mike the Gardener, and his website is called AveragePersonGardening.com, nice. I think. And he does a, a podcast like similar to this. Mm -hmm. And he's been awesome because, you know, as soon as we did that like a year ago, he just, he just continually shares my content and he has a big audience so that's been that's been really exciting mm -hmm. so I want you to go in the wayback machine think back to your childhood and share with me about one of your early childhood food memories well I can't really pick sides but it was both 
it would be both of my grandmothers mm. because they both had gardens mm -hmm. and they both were great cooks. And fortunately, we lived close by, so I got to see one grandmother every Sunday. Nice. And we we would also get to stay with her for a week every summer or two weeks when we were children uh, with our cousins. And I just remember my grandmother. I only remember her in the kitchen, really, with an, <laughs> nice. with an, with an apron on. Mm -hmm. And she was she made this this I think it's called nut roll pie or something like that that I've never seen since. And it was just it would absolutely melt in your mouth. And she had chickens and they had a smokehouse and they had a you know a vegetable garden and and a barn and it was just so awesome to to have those experiences growing up because you yeah. can just kind of let your imagination go wild and mm -hmm. and and you and you get to eat this great food <laughs> you know she would put this platter of sliced fresh tomatoes from the garden on the table mm -hmm. and they would just like disappear and my aunt would pick up the platter and just drink the juice i mean it was just <laughs> you know it was so great yeah and and then i have a memory with uh my other grandmother and because she had about a i would say her personal garden was about a third of an acre wow. <laughs> and nice. she grew everything and preserved everything she made her own coals you know her own uh, sauerkraut and and juices and all the kinds of preserves you can imagine, dried peaches, and she would, if we would cut open a watermelon, you know when we go to the store today, if we go, if we buy a watermelon, it's this big investment, we carry this thing home, and it's like, oh, we hope this tastes good, you know, right. and sometimes you cut it open, and it's not sweet, it's mealy, it's too old, whatever, mm -hmm. but you know, when, you, when you've got this big garden out there, if we would cut a watermelon open that wasn't absolutely perfect, she'd just say, She'd say, "Just go cut another one." You know, yeah, exactly. go cut another one. <laughs> There's plenty out there. Those are really my best memories mm. growing up. It's the the great food, and of course, we would bring all that frozen food back to our house, and we would eat that. Yeah. you know, all week. Right. Beautiful. So, I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. I think there have been a number of failures. I tried. I planted a fig tree. I thought, ooh, wow, fig tree, let's do that. And that tree died, mm -hmm. and I didn't know why then, but I know why now. It was, I just watered it too much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just when you're starting out, you just have no experience, and the, the experience is your teacher. Right. And I don't even think I realized at the time maybe the leaves were dropping off because it was time for them to drop off in the fall. And I thought the tree was dead. It's, it's been things like that. I've had a number of things die. And my issues with powdery mildew, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I've overcome them, but I've found ways to, to deal with it better. Uh -huh. You know, planting less, having more airspace around the plants and pruning more and just being absolutely vigilant. Yeah. You know, and very, very observant. Those oh. have been so vigil vigilance and observance, really. Yeah. Beautiful. So what do you consider your biggest success? My big my biggest success in the garden was that two thousand fourteen tomato harvest. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was awesome. I really went all out for that.
but I think my biggest success is that I have had an edible food garden in my front yard for going on four and a half, five years, and I've never had a single complaint. No one steals my food. Mm. People seem to respect the garden with their dogs walking by. And yeah, I've managed to kind of just live in my neighborhood doing something nobody else is doing here. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm still going. And I'm still getting positive feedback from people online and from people walking by my garden. Even when I think my garden looks pretty ragged, right. you know, in between seasons, they'll walk by and go, everything's looking good. I'm going, okay, if you say so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would, I would love for it to be just for one month out of the whole year, just be beautiful. Mm-hmm. But you know, something is always coming as something else is always going. Yeah. So, Kay, what drives you? I think you see somebody else growing some plant and you think, wouldn't that be cool to try to grow here? Mm. And I think that's what drives me. It's, it's, I, I'm so interested in plants. And and of course, it's such a challenge growing here because of my lack of sun. So right. I, I think the challenge drives me and also the excitement of seeing seeds sprout and develop. Mm-hmm. And see, and see, I like the challenge of seeing if I can get a plant all the way through its lifespan without getting decimated by some bug. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a great challenge, first of all. And I think it's almost miraculous. And so every day you kind of wit- witness these small miracles in the garden. Yeah. I have a swallowtail cocoon in my kitchen right now. Ooh, it's nice. very, It's very late, you know, for... It's going to be too cold for butterflies to be flying around. And so I noticed in November that I had five caterpillars on my little... It's taken me two years to grow this tiny little tangerine tree. Mm-hmm. And there were five fifth instar swallowtail caterpillars on that desk, just eating it. There's like nothing left, right? And, wow. and and they all went off. Four of them went off one by one to, to, to metamorphose someplace. And I put a photo on Instagram and I said, should I take this one inside or just leave it? And... You know, a couple of people said, take it inside and film it. And then a couple of people said, oh, just leave it. But I let four go. And so I decided to bring this one inside because I've never seen one, a swallowtail yeah. metamor- metamorphose. I've had, I've done plenty of monarchs. I have a number of episodes about monarchs. I grow milkweed for monarchs in my garden all the time. Yeah. But this will be a first. So it's just those, those miraculous things that happen, I think, that keep me nice. going. Absolutely. And, and people that are inspired by what you do, you know, yeah. that's what keeps me going on the YouTube. Yeah, beautiful. So I'm all about education. I have to know, is there a book that's been influential for you in this process in your life? Well, I would say when I first started and I didn't know anything, I read the book called Golden Gate Gardening. That's by Pam Pierce. And it's the definitive guide to growing in Northern California. But she covers a lot of microclimates like mine in there and so there's a lot of great advice in there I found that after 
you know, I first got started, I would just be so tired at night, I would fall asleep. And so <laughs> most of the information that I've learned has been on the internet. Yeah. Just and go I, find a just go find a how-to video. There's so many of them out there's, there. There's so many, and I happened to connect with a an an urban gardener on YouTube called One Yard Revolution, and Patrick at One Yard Revolution has been so instrumental in giving me advice, watching my videos, encouraging me, and mm -hmm. uh, I've learned a lot from. From his, he has a completely different growing zone. He's in 5B and I'm in 11A. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's way different. But yeah. still, I've learned a lot. I'll you know, people people that take the time to to try to help you. That's yeah. that's so inspiring. Yeah, I'll tell you the that level of community, it it it, it moves me. The I level know. of community, and you know, interestingly enough, a big place to find it is on Facebook. And other, know. you know, in social media and, mm -hmm. you know, there's some amazing Facebook pages out there of people doing work that, you know, and that's how you, how we connect with people these days. So I know I, I it's, it is amazing. And, you know, everybody's on social media to start with. So we, we might as well make <laughs> that the location of where we uh, connect, yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Hmm. Don't give up. Mm. And if anybody's listening who has never had any success growing their own edible foods, I would say jump in and don't worry if you make a mistake. And don't, like, like I think you said, if you pay attention to a plant and you give it care, the care that it needs, it will thrive. Yep. And you just have to believe that. Yeah. And, and also another thing that uh, my biodynamic farmer, we call him Farmer Jack, by the way, his, uh, <laughs> he, sa he said to me, there are no mistakes in the garden. And that's really important to, to keep in your mind. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Kay. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, they can go to latebloomershow.com, which is my website, mm -hmm. where, by the way, I have a free ebook for beginners ah, called, beautiful. called 10 Steps to a Great First Garden. Good. And it just covers some of the basics that you may not even think of, mm -hmm. like finding where the sun is, because this mm -hmm. is so important to mm -hmm. your success. Mm -hmm. And also on YouTube, Late Bloomer Urban Organic Garden Show. Perfect. Perfect. You can also find the show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org backslash late bloomer. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Did you know the best seeds for your garden don't come from the nursery? In fact, the seeds that will create the most robust and delicious fruits and vegetables come directly from your garden. This is because they are uniquely adapted to your growing conditions, better than anything you can buy from a fancy catalog or website. Through the magic of seed saving, it is quite possible to have the garden of your dreams. The best part is, saving your own seeds is surprisingly easy and fun. With a bit of instruction, anyone can become a seed saving superstar. Let us teach you how in our free seed saving webinar. Just text SEEDS 
to sign up or visit seedsavinghacked.org for more information. That's seeds to 33444 or visit seedsavinghacked.org. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.